0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Speaking of the Arts. I am very excited for our guest today. Please help help me in welcoming Jordan Tassman, who is one of Forbes 30 Under 30 music entrepreneurs. I personally had the pleasure of meeting Jordan last month at the Forbes 30 Under 30 Summit in Boston, and here's why I'm really excited to be speaking with him. In 2010, Jordan founded... Score a Score, and the company helps musicians and composers discover exciting opportunities in the music for picture industry, while providing media makers an outlet to access top-tier musical talent from around the globe. Since its launch, Score a Score has worked with the biggest companies, brands, and film franchises in the world, including Google, Verizon, Intel, Microsoft, Salesforce, Fox, NBC, CBS, Disney, Netflix, MasterCard, Sprint, Target, McDonald's, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, Funny or Die, Honda, Subaru, Acura, Shire, Pfizer, and more. And the company has helped produce trailers for major films, including Allied, Ken Cloverfield Lane, Ben Hur, Justice League, The Jungle Book, and Star Wars. ScoreScore's innovative approach to music licensing creation, placement, and supervision has been featured in Inc. Magazine, Forbes, Rolling Stone, The Huffington Post, The Wall Street Journal, Billboard, and more. Jordan also music supervised the acclaimed Netflix series, Chef's Table, featuring an Emmy-nominated score, and the Cleveland award-winning podcast, Hunt the Truth. He's also working on new projects for YouTube Red and Red Bull, which will debut later this year. Jordan has spoken on panels for Forbes, ASCAP, Billboard, South by Southwest, Sync Summit, and CMJ, among others. A Los Angeles native, Jordan runs a Score from his West Coast headquarters based in West Hollywood, California. Jordan, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, my pleasure, yeah. And uh, I think this is going to be great. We were talking just before we... I started to record here, and I mentioned how excited I am to talk to you. We've never featured anyone with your background or, quite frankly, um, anyone doing even remotely close to what you're doing. (laughs) So I think it's going to be really exciting for people listening to be exposed to what SCORE SCORE does, and I'm really excited to uh, talk to you and learn more about sort of your your journey and and how you came to do what you're doing. So let's just kind of dive in. when someone asks you what, what you do, what do you tell them?
1: It's a great question. I feel like as an entrepreneur, you have to wear so many hats. Especially uh, someone like myself, who started the company by myself in 2010. So for so long, I felt like the answer was, "Well, I started this you know company, and I help musicians find work." I mean, that's essentially what we do. In a lot of ways, our day-to-day job is a lot like Robin Hood. We get to work with some of the biggest corporations and companies and ad agencies and trailer companies and help them find ways to pay independent musicians. So to be at the crossroads of that and the marketplace that, that created that opportunity is a lot of our satisfaction. You know, it's it's really exciting to be able to make those careers for those people if and it's one of those things where we get to work with different composers and musicians all across the world. We actually have a roster of over 500 musicians that we work with right now. And that's constantly growing, I mean, very carefully, because we have thousands of guys that have actually signed up for the website at scorescore.com, which if anybody's listening and is a musician, I'd love for you to check out what we're doing, the kind of work we're doing, sort of touched upon in in, a, in my bio. but we're always looking for more collaborators. So if you're a musician, I, I'd love for you to check out scorescore.com. You can sign up there. And we really try to only take on talent that we feel we can help. So we're very picky, so don't be offended if it's not right, but that just means that we wouldn't take you on because we don't feel like we'd be able to propel your career any further or help place your music.
0: Awesome. So let's start at the beginning. How did... How did you initially get the idea for the for the product?
1: So initially, I was actually um, I was super young. I I graduated college in two thousand eight. I got my first job where I, I basically wanted to be an agent for film composers. That was my ultimate goal, and it's such a niche industry. So I met with a few of the guys that are really the top people doing that, representing you know, the likes of Hans Zimmer, John Williams, like the biggest names in the business. And none of them were hiring at the time, but they said, if you do want to do this, I'd highly encourage you to learn how to be an agent at a talent agency. So I took their words to to heart, but I decided that at that time, being 22 years old, that I needed to live in New York, as one young man wants to. So I decided to get a job (laughs) at the Gersh agency which is a talent agency that's incredible, Um, and it it actually, they do amazing work, but they really don't do anything in the music front. So I got a job in the mailroom there, and right off the bat, I noticed that, you know, if you look at the top of a company, you either identify as, like, I want to be that person, or you don't. And, and my instinct was that I just did not want to be that person because it was not anything to do with what I was passionate about, which was music. So I actually gave my two weeks notice after two weeks uh, at the Curse Agency and quickly got super depressed because I was in New York. I had moved there with all these dreams and hopes and, and felt like I had, you know, just not found what I wanted. And I felt like I had so much to give and I couldn't find a place to to give. And at that time, uh, Barack Obama was running for office, uh, or for president, and I decided that I would start volunteering for the campaign. So I started cold calling and canvassing door-to-door, talking to people about what they really don't want to talk about, which is politics. And it was such <laughs> a great practice now. for me. Oh, yeah, I mean, especially <laughs> now. But I, I think it was really great practice for me at the time to learn how to talk to people just in, in sort of a salesy kind of practice, but also just how to listen, and how to talk to people about things that are difficult was su- such a great practice. So in that time, uh, I decided to come up with, I was brainstorming basically, like how can I do this if I don't want to, if I can't work at the people that are the top film composers agencies, and I don't want to work at a traditional talent agency because it wasn't close enough to what I'm doing, how can I take this young sort of approach to changing this industry that honestly hasn't been changed in a long time. So I started Googling and found that a lot of people were posting on Craigslist saying, hey, you know, I got this film, I have $5,000, I need a composer, who's around, who can do it? And then I saw another one that was, hey, I got, you know, like $500, I have this commercial, who can do it? And I was just thinking to myself like, if they're resulting to craigslist it just means that there needs to be a better way so that's that's really what got the wheels in motion for dreaming up score scores is my darkest depression and googling um... because at that point i decided okay i got the idea i'm going to connect composers and musicians i'm going to try to find the next steven spielberg and i'm going to try to match him with the next john williams and it's going to happen online it's going to be an amazing story and Shortly after that, I I miraculously landed a job at ASCAP, which is the American Society of Composers, Authors and Publishers, which is one of the performing rights societies that pays out tons of musicians every year. Pretty much like every major musician is either part of ASCAP, BMI or CSAC so that they can get paid residuals and royalties. And I was placed into the film and TV membership department, which was a perfect fit at the time because my first job, I'll never forget, was to find all of the composers for the Sundance films that were active that year at the festival so they could invite them to a breakfast. So I was pretty much thinking to myself, like, this is the jackpot job because I'm discovering 60 composers that are likely unsigned, working on incredible indie movies, and this is who I want to represent. So after seven months, Actually, after five months, I gave them my two months notice and said, I'm leaving, I'm leaving ASCAP, but I'm starting Scorer Score, and I think I can be a huge resource to all of your talent pool that is isn't represented in looking for extra opportunities. And they were so cool to me um, at the time, and they, they were fully supportive and ended up basically helping me build my initial talent pool of 60 incredible composers that, that helped launch ScoreScore. Score. Score. And, you know, from there, I had absolutely no buyers, but I at least had the talent, which was really a key part of it because I could sell, hey, you know, want to work with composers that have worked on X, Y, and Z? Even though I didn't do the jobs that they had, I could use their experience as leverage. And, And honestly, the rest is sort of history. I started pounding cold calling so much in the beginning. I mean, honestly, all those, like, Barack Obama calls, like, went to... It's a real good practice because it was exactly like that, talking to people about trying out this new service and, and just trying to make a, a sort of unique approach to something that had been pretty tired at the time in 2010.
0: That's awesome. I love that. That's a great story. I love the, the initiative you took, the risk, and more importantly how solid and resolved you were to follow your passion when it was clear to you at those places, it just wasn't happening. Um, so, all right. So that brings us up to how you got the idea, and then you launch, and you've got these this talent pool of sixty composers. So, walk me through the actual product. How does it work?
1: So, it's evolved over over the time and, and period that you know we've existed over six and a half years now. But essentially, the, the core is the same. So, a comp- uh, an ad agency, let's use for example, has. A Microsoft commercial and they're looking for music that sounds I don't know it sounds like anything that they want right it sounds like a song it sounds like a composer it sounds like a reference track they have and they want to pay X amount of dollars and the terms are all media worldwide perpetuity they'll come to us give us all that information and tell us when they need it a lot of the times we have to turn around music within an hour which I can talk about later, but essentially we're always ready to be responding to emails 24-7 within 5-10 to minutes because that's part of our job. And at that point we would go out to our talent pool, say we had 24 hours or more, we'd send out a brief to our talent pool and say, here's the new spot, here's what we're looking for, send us what you have, or write something new. So a lot of the times we'll get custom submissions. Um, handpicked fire fire composers that were either pre-existing or actually written for this job on spec. And we'll pick our favorite ones and we'll send it to the client. Everything we send is fully customizable, so if they like something they'll be able to adjust it however way they want. And if they find what they like, they'll pay the price that they wanted. We offer a name your price platform for exactly that reason. And if they end up not liking what they like, and they want more, we'll pull more for them, and if they just don't like anything, then it doesn't cost them anything. So from a buyer standpoint, it's, it's really a, an easy sell because there's absolutely nothing to lose. There's no cost or obligation for us to do a search for them, and from the other angle, if they do find what they like, they're always paying what they're comfortable paying.
0: Got it. So how do you, So it sounds like it's two-sided, composers and then everybody might be interested in purchasing a composer's music for whatever need they have. What I'm kind of curious, how have you found the best strategies or best practices then for attracting composers to the service? And then on the other side of that, what seems to work in terms of attracting anybody who would be interested in buying the music?
1: Well, the composers are it's a very small community in general and a lot of them are friends, and we're very lucky because out of the 60 that we started with, so many of them were happily referring their friends because they're like, hey, you should get in on this, this is a great resource and avenue for us. Uh, and we've never had an issue, we've, like I said earlier, we've had actually thousands of composers sign up for the website and that's no exaggeration. It's, it's just an unbelievable. There's so many composers out there and they're so good at finding opportunities and we're really positioned uniquely to offer them really high quality opportunities with great relationships and, and a very transparent, open policy about how we work and how we operate. And I think that whole combination is really lucrative for a composer. From the buyer's standpoint, We're offering not just original composition, but we're offering music supervision, music clearance, sonic branding, logo mnemonic work. Um, We're doing voiceover. We're doing sound design. So so, we're pretty much a one-stop shop for all things sound and music as an outsourced music department that you can use either as little as you want or as much as you want. And our customer service is just, I think, really stands out in the field you know, we are so on top of it, we make it so easy to license music because we own and control all the music that we're sending. So it's really like hassle-free, super easy, friendly, positive experience, which isn't always the case in finding and licensing music.
0: Love it. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, You know, I was thinking before we, uh, just in terms of preparing for the interview here, I'm always fascinated to talk with fellow entrepreneurs in the music industry. It's such a crazy place, as you know. <laughs> so I'd I'm, love yeah. I'm to ask you some questions just about your role as a founder. And um, specifically, to start, I mean, what, what would you say is like the best advice someone's given you in terms of how to grow your business as you've, as you've come along in the past six years?
1: It's a really great question. I mean, there's something that I've actually always shared with my friends and colleagues, which is when I started, really, the first thing that I did was I turned every single meeting into another meeting. So I mean that by if I met someone who I barely knew, but I knew that they were at an ad agency. I would meet them and say, I'm so thankful, like I'm not expecting like to work with you, but if it's possible, will you please introduce me to one other person that you think would be helpful or interested in what I'm doing? And it's amazing the response of people wanting to help you as an entrepreneur. And that is such an easy thing for them to do that they make that introduction and all of a sudden you do that over and over and over and you're expanding your network infinitely. So I always think of that as some of the best advice that I can possibly give because it's all about relationships. There's just really nothing else that matters more, especially if you're in a position of selling something. It comes down to people liking you and trusting you and wanting to collaborate. So if you can network in a not sleazy way, you know, be persistent but never annoying, that is the most powerful way I think you
0: can leverage yourself. That's a really great point, especially because if you're meeting, I'm just picturing myself in your position from at the beginning. If you're meeting with someone who you personally may not be able to offer them something of value, the fact that you're able to ask that question and give them a chance to feel good about <laughs> the situation and, and help you, um, I would imagine they're, uh, more often than not people are only hap- too happy to do that. Is that your experience with that?
1: Absolutely. I mean, yes. anybody that's taking the time to meet with you or talk to you is doing it for a reason. You know, I, I think, like, they know there's always going to be a time where people are in a position to help you versus the other way around. And, you know, I will never forget all the people that helped me to this day, and it's so many people. Like, I mean, really, there's a huge list of people that I feel like completely helped me propel my career just by a simple, simple introduction or by thinking of me for a project or whatever it was, and I will continue to pay that forward no matter what, whenever I can. So anybody that wants to reach out to me, I always respond to emails. I'm always trying to help people because I know that that's what it takes, for, for me at least, that's what it took to make it, and, and that's so valuable and so important, and you, just, you can never really repay that.
0: Couldn't put it better myself. So when you started the company, did you have a vision for it? I mean, were you able to kind of think to yourself, I'd really, you know, within three, five, whatever, ten years, love to be at a certain point with what we're doing? If you did have one, I'd love to hear it.
1: You know, I wrote a business plan because I was told that I had to. And, it, like, I look back at it, like, every once in a while just because it's so funny to me because I had no idea what I was doing. And I think, like, there's so much that was, for me, learned on the go. I'm not the kind of person that absorbs things through a textbook. Like, I really like to get my hands dirty and experience everything myself. So I'm a, I was a fake it till you make it kind of story. So I don't think I had a really good vision, and I think that that is totally okay. I think I knew that there was a potential business in this um, because of the fact that music is such an interesting intellectual property where, in this case, like I didn't have to put up money in order to sell it because it already was an existing commodity, so to speak. So because of that, I could make money only when there was success happening. And that not only gives a lot of comfort to my talent pool, but it also gives a lot of comfort to my bank account when I really started this with nothing. Uh, I didn't need anything except for a phone, an email address and myself and, and my talent pool. And so I think like having a vision is so important of like, yes, this can be something, but I didn't have like a prediction of how much like this was gonna, you know, take off or anything like that. I mean, I was, so beyond excited when we had our first deal for $150. I was like, "Wait, I can make money from doing something that I love like this. This is incredible," and and that feeling just never goes away for me. Every single deal we have.
0: That's great. So, I know this is sort of related to what I just asked you, but with the uh, with the experience of about six years behind you now, and you think when you think about. The company and the challenges and um, opportunities you're focused on. I mean, where would you like to see it in the next year or two years? Are you, you know, how do you see it growing um, in terms of uh, staff? How do you think about that? Yeah, those I, I have.
1: Right now, there is uh, five of us full time working all the time. Uh, we also get an intern like every semester that we can. So five or six of us at any given time. And I do think that we'll slowly and carefully expand. It's been a expansion process by the nature that we needed to, and that's sort of my conservative way of of thinking and growing. I think this is certainly a company that could have raised money, which I never did, and just hire a ton of people and get a really crazy big office and just go for it in a very different way than we are. We're in a great office in West Hollywood, super amazing culture and vibe of, of people that I love collaborating with all the time and just generally being with and doing great work together. So I think ultimately, yes, I'd love to grow by numbers of people, but slowly. And I think we'll continue to do just bigger and better and cooler, more creative, more satisfying projects. And that's, that's really my goal is just to be servicing as many buyers as we possibly can because we're really, really good at it. Like six and a half years in, the process is so pleasant and and positive for our like for all of our customers, and that makes me really feel optimistic that we can continue to scale at without sacrificing our quality.
0: Really glad to hear it. That sounds sounds like things are going well and things are um, on track for where you'd like them to be. That's certainly what a founder certainly, when, uh, you were yeah, asking I mean, what you I, when for. I think back like we've we've grown in every
1: single way every single year, and, and that's just an incredible thing to say, you know I mean by people, by numbers, by everything, it's just been growth, and that means we're doing something right, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I do think that that is something that I want to continue to to go for every year
0: for sure, well, well most of our listeners are presenters, meaning they're responsible for working directly with artists, booking shows at various venues around the country. So I always ask this question for our guests on the podcast. Who are some new artists, or in your case, composers, which is just totally fine, um, that you've either heard lately or you're working with that you've really enjoyed listening to their music that you would recommend people listening to this podcast check out?
1: Well, I have two guys that you know I'd love for anybody to check out, and you and you can hear their work on our work page if you if you check out scorescore.com. Uh, but two composers, one named Jacob Yaffe, and the other named Matt Abiascara, and they're both just incredible in such different ways. But I'm uh, just always constantly inspired by their work ethic and their music and their talent as producers and writers, and they.
0: Make me very proud, for sure. That's great. So I'll definitely put links on the post for this episode to scorescore.com, and we'll also link to the composers you just mentioned, so people can go check them out directly. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, I'm uh, as we sort of wrap this up. I, I would say I'm a huge fan of the Tim Ferriss podcast, so I'm going to steal this question from him. <laughs> But I sure. thought it would be an interesting one for you, Jordan. As we as we wrap up here, what's one book that you've um, gifted recently to someone? And the reason I'm asking that is because I'm hoping to learn something from you, whether or not it's you know business related or not. That's fine. But again, just uh, I'm really enjoying speaking with someone with your unique background. So I'm kind of curious how you would answer that question, or maybe you haven't read a book lately. <laughs> That's fine too. No, I. So the
1: 4-Hour work week. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, all right. No, I think I actually did read that recently. You know, the book that I most recently am in right now, and I'm almost at the end of it, and I'm listening to it on Audible, which is a fantastic way to experience a book, by the way. Like, I'm really, really enjoying the opportunities I find myself able to listen rather than to sit down and read. Is so much more available for me. So I'll be walking my dog and listening to this book, you know, it's like, it's really kind of amazing. So I'm excited to explore more titles on there. But the one that I am reading right now is called powerhouse. Uh, and it's about CAA, which is creative artists agency. And it's like the untold story of Hollywood's creative artists agency, which is one of the biggest talent agencies in the world. And it talks about the story of these founders. That are, it's just an incredible, if you like Hollywood and you like the sort of idea of building a company from scratch, it's super inspiring stuff. It's really long, but I've thoroughly enjoyed it and would definitely recommend it if you're looking for a, a business inspiration and you enjoy the, the cast of like the entertainment industry.
0: Yeah, you know, it's so funny you, you're recommending that book. Yeah. I was just with a friend at a, um we were at a, a concert, and it, and uh, he had a backpack with him and, and um, you know, just catching up with him and said, hey, man, you know, is there anything you've been reading lately? And he pulled out that book, and you're right. It's huge. It's like a poem um, a book. <laughs> but yeah, I it's, it's like an oral it.
1: history, though, which I really like. Cause
0: yeah, that's what he said. I actually
1: know a lot of those people I've, like, met with over the years and have been really inspirational and helpful for me. And I actually interned at CAA when I was in college. So I, I have, like, a personal sort of tie to the characters and, and all of it but I always love like a good oral history where it's jumping around from different people's perspectives and it's just a, it's a really great read for sure
0: awesome yeah I, I'm really looking forward to reading it um, well you know Jordan I can't thank you enough for your time I know you've probably got a lot going on there so it's really kind of you to carve out a block here to talk to me and do this podcast um, again everybody check out scorescore.com. I will post show notes um, the listing for this episode later. And I um, want to thank everyone for listening. And again, Jordan, it's been a pleasure, and I can't thank you enough.